Hey, morning, friends. Thanks for sticking with us this morning. We've had a, we've had a few little struggles here today, and, um, and, and you don't even know about all of them. There's been a few things going on, and um, it's made it a bit difficult, but the fact is that we're together, and we've got good people, and so we've done our best here, <laughs> and here we are. Thanks for sticking with us and, and uh, being patient. Thanks to all the people who help us as well. Uh, hey, I was sitting with a guy recently, um, a guy who not too long before I was sitting with him had walked out on his wife and family. Uh, and it was one of those ones, you know, sometimes when a marriage breaks up, um, as observers from the outside, depending on how close we are, you know, we can say that we sort of, we're not surprised or we... We saw it coming. It's been in the winds for a while, you know. This one was, was different. This one was one that uh, everyone who, who knows this guy and this, this family, everyone was like, what? What? Me included. Uh, no, one, no one would have predicted this one. I, 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 I confidently say no one would have predicted this guy would walk out on his family. And you know what he said to me as we talk? You know, we had a... Oh, I mean, I always say I have a coffee with someone. I don't, know, I don't drink coffee. We had a cup of tea together. I had a t- cup of tea. Yeah, I had a cup of tea. And you know what he said to me? He said, it's not her... And he named his wife. It's not her fault. It's my fault. She hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said these words that they still haunt me today. He said, I'm a selfish man. And that's the way I am. I don't want to be married anymore. Well, refreshingly honest, if nothing else. But I also got to thinking about how, you know, when someone, I mean, do you, have, have you often heard someone tell you, hey, it's not their fault, it's not his fault, it's my fault, I'm a selfish man, a selfish woman. Have you ever heard someone say that? Have you said it yourself? They're pretty uncommon words, aren't they? I'm selfish. <laughs> See, I am much more adept at telling you that you're selfish or worse still, you know, leave me to my very own devices, take God out of the picture, I'm adept too at telling you about how someone else is selfish. i got a great radar for selfish people. And also, and for proud people. And for their word can't be trusted people. And for lazy people. I can pick them up. I've got a sensitive radar for them. And I'm naturally very quick to, to defend and protect my territory as well, my ground, my space. So, you see, by default, I don't know if you're like this, but like I don't really like extending my comfort zones, my preferences, my choices. Especially if it's for other people who are proud and lazy and loud and selfish. 
Now, I, I know, I know, I know. So I'm talking to you this morning. I know that you are not naturally a bit self-righteous. <laughs> like I'm, it's, it's me here, isn't it? You're not self-centered. You're not self-focused. It's, it's only me. Or it's, or, hey, it's someone in another lounge room right now watching this, isn't it? But it's not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's okay. Let's, let's dig, though. Let's dig. What's, what is your honest attitude? Like, if I talk to you now about our city, Melbourne... I mean, you may be watching from somewhere else, but those of us who live here in Melbourne, Australia, if I talk to you about religious tolerance in our city, what do you think? I mean, do you think we should let our Muslim friends, and I say that, our Muslim friends, (laughs) build more mosques? What about, because you may have said, yeah, if if they want to build a mosque, that's okay. What about if they want to build one in your neighbourhood? What are you going to say then? It's a few years now since we had our plebiscite on same-sex marriage, isn't it? How did you vote? How did you vote on that one? You talk about religious tolerance or same-sex marriage or gender conversion therapy or freedom of speech or gambling revenue, let alone the hotel quarantine inquiry... And you think through what sort of kids you want your kid growing up being friends with. You see, we we get talking about these topics and are you like me? Like sometimes it depends on the topic. You can feel the heat rising in you. It was a Friday afternoon, I was maybe 15 years old when this happened a long time ago, and on our little farm up near Maryborough, central Victoria, I'm looking out the back window, just about to go away on a youth camp for the weekend, and I'm watching my mum and my sister, who's probably, you know, maybe 11, 10, 11 years old at the time, and they're walking down the backyard, through the backyard, away from the house towards the chook shed. I think maybe, you know, just going to collect the eggs or something. And all of a sudden, I see mum. I see mum grab Ruth by the shoulders and sort of pull her backwards, and then they stop. They don't keep walking. And it's obvious to me, like I couldn't see on the ground, but it just, just from the way they acted, and you're probably realising, like we live in the country, it's on a farm, I'm thinking it's a snake. There's a snake there. And so I go running out there, and yeah, sure enough, it's a brown snake right there on the lawn in our backyard. And, and, and it's not just a, a little one, like it's, it's, it's probably six or seven feet long. It's a big one. And my younger brother, he comes out too. He, like he's, he's even younger again than my sister. He comes out too. So I yell at him, go get me a shovel. Get me a shovel from the garage. And by the way, this story, this is back in the old days. Like I know we do different things with snakes these days, but back in those days, there was only one thing anyone ever did with a snake, and that was to kill it, especially on a farm. You killed it. All right, so don't, 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 don't bag me for this. This is just the way that it was then. My younger brother, he, he disappears. He, I'm yelling at him, go get a shovel, go get a shovel, you know? And he comes back with an axe. He brings an axe back. This is not ideal now. So I get the axe and I'm going to use this axe to try and kill the snake right there in our backyard. And <laughs> you can probably guess what happens. All it, 
all it does is chop the snake in half. And the tail part, and snakes do this, you research it. The tail part, that stays there, wriggling around like crazy. It sort of moves around a bit of it's gruesome, isn't it? But guess what the head part does? It just keeps going. And off it goes, and it's wriggling around, wriggling around, around, and it goes straight under. We saw it. We saw it go in under the shook shed. Never saw it again. Now, you've heard that saying, haven't you? Have you heard when someone is as mad as a cut snake? That's how mad it is. And you see that cut snake, man, you do not want to get in its way. Mad as a cut snake. Mad as a cut snake. You ever been as mad as a cut snake? Well, that's about how mad Jonah gets. We've been in this story for, for three Sundays now. Today's the, the fourth and final one. That's about how mad Jonah gets. He gets as mad as a cut snake. He really does. He is real mad. Are you two? Even you two, when it, comes to, when it comes to you, and for the month of November, we've talked to you every Sunday about your church looking outwards, not inwards. And you can't help getting the feeling, if you're honest, you can't help getting the feeling that it means that it's different for you. Because if your church looks outward and you know going along with that if it has to spend more money in order to do that it impacts you it does it asks for more from you it's not the same it's it's not the same as it used to be like, you know, for sure, we talk about being a multi-ethnic church. And the title's true, multi-ethnic. Multi means many. Multi, 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 multiple ethnic groups. And those ethnic groups with different cultures and different traditions and different preferences and different styles... A multi-ethnic church is a different place for you to belong to and be a part of than a mono-ethnic church. Does it make you mad? It's okay, like you don't have to admit it out loud. And by the way, by the way, I want you to see this this morning really clear from the Word of God. You do not have to feel ashamed. If it makes you mad. You see, most of us are actually a bit inclined that way. It's natural to think that way. Not many of us are, not many of us are so likely to say, you know, it's my fault. I'm a selfish man. It's my fault. And let's be honest. Not many of us do warm to the idea of a mosque down the road. And we wouldn't have to go far right now to find passionate people in our church. And they'd say, not only do we have to be mad about our religious freedom being eroded away, but we have to stand up and fight for it because we're as mad as a cut snake. It's not right. It's wrong. 
Now, Jonah, remember, he had run away from God, yeah? Well, I mean, literally. He's on the boat. He's sailing in the opposite direction to the, to the way that God asked him to go on foot. And so God sends, remember the language? God sends the storm. I've had to get my head around that this week and, and even this morning. God sent the storm. He's, he's going after Jonah. And he's coming after you. And he's been coming after me this week too. You don't have to be ashamed. You just have to realize how much God loves you. And, and then Jonah, you know, this how he gets thrown overboard. Um, he's swallowed by a great fish. He spends three days and three nights in the fish. Go figure how you can do that. I don't get it. I told you that. I don't understand it yet. And then God commands the fish. So, so God sends a storm. God sends a fish. God then tells the fish, okay, time to vomit him up on the land now. And he's still like drying himself off. Got no towel, I don't know he's even doing it. He's drying himself off and trying to deodorize from the stench of being in a whale's gut for three days and three nights. And then God says to him a second time, it's like, it's like just a, just hit pause button and play it again. He says exactly to him what he said to him the first time. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell him the message that I've given you. And so that's exactly what Jonah does. He goes into enemy Assyrian terrorist territory with this message. And it looks like he's obedient, eh? He warns the city. He walks through this huge big city. It takes three days to get across the city. It says it's huge. He warns the city of God's judgment. But now, if you look in your Bible in chapter 4 of Jonah, he's bitter. Like he's better. He's as mad as a cut snake. Most preachers, like feel, they feel it when people don't respond to their message. Uh, like it's hard, hard work sometimes. You preach and you've worked and you've done everything you've got to do and you feel like you did your best and you stand up and it just feels like a lead balloon. And people sit there. <laughs> Most preachers feel it when people don't listen to their message you know what here he's Jonah and he's as mad as a cut snake my friend you're going to see this he's as mad as a cut snake do you know why because people did respond to his message remember from last week you got a whole city and en masse from the from the top of the king down they listen to Jonah's message they respond and they repent the whole city repents have you ever heard of that happening before a whole city. And now come look at this final chapter in the story of me and see with me, see if you don't think it ends on a knife edge just like every other chapter has. You see that it does. It's Jonah chapter 4. In our English versions, listen to this really carefully. In our English versions, so when you open up your Bible and you look in Jonah, right, it's got 11 verses. Generally, we could look at those verses and we'd say verses 1 to 5 are more about Jonah. Okay? 1 to 5, Jonah. And then we'd say that verses 6 to 11 are more about, and the Hebrew word that we use for God in the Old Testament scriptures uses Yahweh. Yahweh. God. 1 to 5, Jonah. 
6 to 11 God. Now, you know what? In, again, in your English Bible, you open it up and it's got chapter 1, it's got headings and it's got verses and that sort of stuff. Remember that when this is written in the Hebrew Scriptures, there's none of that. It's just writing. That's all. There's no headings. There's no verses. There's no chapters. But if you take what I just said to you, um, chapter 5, sorry, sorry, chapter, verse, verses 1 to 5, Jonah, verses 6 to 11, God, you split those that way. Guess what? There are 39 verses in chapters one to in in verses one to five and there are 39 verses in verses six to eleven um i've just said that wrong haven't i 39 words and 39 words yeah 39 words of jonah whinging and lamenting and commenting and you know what it is It's because Yahweh, in Jonah's view, from everything that Jonah can see and everything that he wants and everything that he's prejudiced towards and everything that he's grown up with, his whole worldview, what that's telling him is that Yahweh has not been just. He's let terrorists off with a warning. 39 words about Jonah, 39 words about Yahweh. Reminding Jonah of his grace and his wisdom and his compassion for all people. You see, it is a theological split what happens here. Jonah chapter 4 is all about the justice of God compared with the love of God. And it's asking the question, and just like we had asked today, is how far is too far for God? If, if God is just, if he's perfect, if he is without sin, then how far is too far? I mean, how far is it too far before he has to stop allowing that? And if, on the other hand, he loves, and he loves not because he has to love, but because he chooses to love, then how far is too far to go for that? And I mean, in the same way, friends, like I'd ask you this morning, how far is too far for our church to go? Like, really? Like different languages? Do you know, um, sometimes people just really struggle with different languages there are certain language groups for me that i've been exposed to over the years and when someone is from one of those language groups and they're speaking to me and they're speaking in english i just find it so hard just about impossible to understand so automatically my response is that i'm weary i'm I'm weary i'm thinking oh man it's hard work listening to this so different languages, if, 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 if we say to you, you know, and, and we've talked and we've gone right over the month of November leading into our meeting next week and we talk about, you know, like according to every other COVID-19 predictor, I mean, because there are still jobs being lost now, there are still businesses going under now. We're not out of this yet. We've got decades ahead of us to recover economically. That's what we're told. 
So surely in that, wouldn't it be, I mean, how far is too far to God to go? Like, well, even God, he should be spending less next year. And, and, and like at a real stretch, spending the same next year as we spent this year. But, but you guys, like our church leadership, you, you're saying we should spend more? Are you for real? Okay. Have you lost your marbles? How far is too far, friends? How far is too far? Like, that's just ridiculous. Shut it down. How far is too far to extend yourself? Not even church, anything else. How far is too far to go? What about, what about me? I mean, I'm asking you, what about me and myself? Now, you remember, Jonah had preached in Nineveh. The whole city en masse from the top of the king down had repented. Look what happens, chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this, and that's, in other words, the fact that they all repented. This all seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Super angry too. The word actually means, friends, that he was burned up. So he's not just ticked. He's livid. And here's why he ran away. In chapter one, chapter four, verse two, um, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Hey, that's why I ran away from you, God. I knew, I knew you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's a reference to Exodus from the Old Testament. I knew that. I know that you're a God who relents from sending calamity. I know, I know that you're a God who apparently goes very far and I think you go too far. And Jonah's done now and you know why? Because God has gone too far. We don't, we don't warn and then redeem a whole city of terrorists. That's too far. And I knew what you like, God. And I knew if I came here to Nineveh that you'd, you'd go too far. I knew you'd do that. That's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. And I think that's fair enough too. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. Have you ever pulled your hair out with God? I have my sense of justice, or at least that's what it feels like to me. That's what I like to call it. My sense of justice tells me that God lets far too many people guilty off, too, too many guilty people off. And friends, you know, it doesn't always have to be about guilty people and punishing sin and the love of God versus the justice of God. It doesn't have to be about that. I mean, have you ever pulled your hair out with God? I have been, like, um, I don't have the time to tell you about it all, but I have been pulling my hair out, and you, I don't have any hair to pull out. You think that's funny? Well, um, I'm kind of even struggling to laugh this morning because I've been pulling my hair out with God this week. It's been in an agonizing, tormenting, tumultuous way. Trying again to work out why, God? Why did you do that? What could you possibly achieve through this?
It's like Patch Adams said in the movie Patch Adams. He said to God, you're not worth it. You know when I said you don't have to be ashamed if you feel this way, friends? Well, look at this. Just look at, what, look at how God replies. So you've got Jonah. He's as mad as a cut snake. And he wants to die. You look what God says to him. And, and just, you tell me if you can't hear the tone in his voice. But the Lord replied, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? I wonder how Jonah felt when God asked him that. I mean, it's like a red rag to a bull to me. When I get frustrated or upset and Deb, like she did last week, or one of my kids asked me, Jeff or Dad, why are you getting so angry? Oh, my goodness. Like, just sit back a minute, my friend. Jonah, is it, hey, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, you ran away. You disobeyed me. And now it's obvious, like we all know now, why you did that. And that's actually at its core. It's because you don't, you fundamentally, you don't want guilty people getting mercy. That's what it is. You're like the angry big brother that Jesus told about in the story. The younger brother has come home after throwing his inheritance to the wind. The father's just overcome with joy that his boy's back home and he doesn't even give him a chance to go through his sorrow. I hope it wasn't out of line speech. But the older brother is as mad as a cut snake. Because he stayed working. He didn't, he didn't run away. And now the father's thrown a party for the kid that did. Maybe you're even a bit like Jonah. Remember him? He's in the whale's belly. He has a dramatic turnaround. We would call it a conversion experience, wouldn't we? Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what he said. It's in chapter 2. And then tacked onto the end of his sorry. You look at it in chapter 2, verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So it's right after he said sorry. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Not me, though. Yep, I ran away from God. I'm in the belly of the whale right now saying sorry to God. But... I'm not as bad as these people. I don't cling to worthless idols. Yes, Jesus has saved me, but I'm not a terrorist. I'm not a prisoner. And I'm in, and I speak English. And he says, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. You see it, don't you? Just a hint of what we call self-righteousness. I'm not as bad as the next guy. I'm basically good, and I've always basically been good. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Look in verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place near the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade. And here's why he stayed. It would make more sense, wouldn't it, to head for home now that you've done what you had to do. But he, he stayed. He waited to see what would happen to the city. See, maybe, just still got a faint hope, I know, but maybe God will give them something like what they deserve, these Assyrian terrorists. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah again, is it right? for you to be angry about the plant it is he said and i'm so angry i am as mad as a cut snake you've gone too far god i wish i were dead my friends i wanted to ask you this morning and i ask myself as well 
Is it right for you to be angry? But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. It's a plant, Jonah. It's a plant. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. They can't tell their right hand from their left. That's a figure of speech that means these people are spiritually blind. They have hopelessly lost their way and they have not got the first clue about the source of their problems or what to do about them. And when you and I mix this week with people who don't know Jesus and we often just assume in our minds that they're rebellious and they're hard-hearted and they don't want to know anything about Jesus, you know, sometimes their right hand doesn't know about the left hand. They don't even realize what's going on. Sure, it doesn't excuse them. I'm not saying it does excuse them, but wow, it explains the behavior. Jonah, what gives you the right to tell me when you think I'm going too far? Jonah, why are you thinking that you're not as bad? I mean, you ran away from me, didn't you? Jonah, are you thinking, Jonah, you're thinking it's all relative, isn't it? You're just thinking that if you just do a few little things like stealing cookies out of the cookie jar and um, pocketing your sister's Sunday school money, that that's not as bad as if you're a terrorist. That's what you're thinking, aren't you, Jonah? And friends, we're living right here in a city with countless people who don't know their right hand from their left, right here in Melbourne now and a country, and a world. And God has undying radical compassion, and it's in contrast to Jonah, isn't it? Somehow God is just and loving, and at the same time, he's just and he's loving. And you know what? Um, Scripture teaches us that it's not like God has a loving part and a just part, and he tries to work those together. They're not separate parts of who he is. They're part of who he is so both of them are inherently part of who God is you know what every person me included is desperately needs God's mercy me included me included uh, Jonah included you included Jonah would not even be under that vine east of Nineveh if not for God's mercy look at this look what God's word tells us once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You were. I was. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else every person every person me included desperately needs God's mercy and look then what it says like we were all bad we were all bad you were I was come on wake up and smell the coffee we were all bad but look at this but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. And that doesn't matter whether you're a terrorist from Assyria or you're Jonah from Amittai or Jeff from Doreen. Okay, you're not as mad as a cut snake. You're like, I'm not, it's okay, it's no big deal, that's all right. But I I just wanted to check in with you and ask, how are you feeling? 
By the way, if you are feeling a bit squidgy and a bit guilty and it's uncomfortable, I actually want to encourage you not, not, not just to wink at it because God maybe wants to change that, but don't be too uncomfortable about it because look at the way that God gently and lovingly went after Jonah. He didn't let him go. Because if you read again how God dealt with Jonah that scorching east wind Assyrian day, it's not really rough. You can hear the gentle tone, can't you? Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Just like he'd ask you now. If you're a part of this church, you've heard all the talk this last month and we've unfolded for you week by week about us. A whole lot of stuff. I mean, just a few. Try hoping and praying to start up a Korean ministry next year. Finding out, as we have in our research, that there is no Korean church in the city of Melbourne, north of the city. There are some in the eastern suburbs and and there's one in the city, but nothing north of the city. Um, If you've tuned in and and you've heard that we've decided for Pastor Sammy Caldas, who until now has been volunteering and trying to juggle pastoring our Arabic ministry, which has just exploded out of the blocks over the last seven or eight months, um, and move out of his full-time sales engineering role and to come onto our staff team as our pastor for Arabic ministries. We've talked about increasing Leanne Howie's hours because our church has grown, and that means that there's just, there's just a whole lot of office management work to do. Um, like, a whole lot. We've talked about Pastor Catherine spending you know, a day and a half of her time allocation next week here with us, but actually spearheading and leading our reach up north of here into Donnybrook, north of Mill Park. It's, you see all of that, all of those things. And then when we talk about increasing our mission budget, every bit of it, my friend, it's all in the name of a church that is in line with our vision. And we believe God gave us this vision a couple of years ago, the sort of church that we believe he wants us to grow towards this year and beyond. And uh, it especially picks up on the pillars of that vision multi-ethnic, missional, and outward-looking. Now, I know you're not curled up under a vine, seething with anger, saying it's better to die than to live. At least I hope you're not. But how do you feel? I just wonder, what might God say to you? Would he say, is it right for you to be angry? My friend, every person, me included, desperately needs God's mercy. Jesus, we thank you. And I'm the God talking now and everyone else is listening. So I thank you for the mercy that you have shown me. Because once I was dead because of my sins. And you, because you're so rich in mercy, You saved me. Jesus, thank you for your mercy to me. Thank you for your mercy to each one of us who already knows you and to those who are listening in right now who do not yet know you. Thank you that your mercy is there in spades for them. The only thing you would need to do, my friend, if that's you, the only thing you would need to do is to reach out to Jesus today to acknowledge that he did die on the cross for your sin to accept his forgiveness 
to thank him for it and to surrender your life to live with him as the, the Lord of your life. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Would you just help us to remember that everyone, everyone desperately needs your mercy. And so, Lord, for everything that you ask us to do for that, every part that you want us to play for that, as a church, as individuals, as families, you'll equip us for every bit of it. All you need, as we said last week, all you need is our willingness and our cooperation. That's the only thing you need from us. Nothing more, nothing less. We thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.